Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. confession to make. I am someone that has paid, I don't know, a little bit of attention to the things that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has been saying on vaccines for for years. And I'll be honest, and I don't want to be impolite because I would never be impolite to anybody, but I always kind of thought he was a crackpot. I thought the damage that he has been spreading on the issue of vaccines um, caused a lot of parents not to get their children vaccinated. And the link that he seemed to be making in terms of vaccinations and autism, I thought was incredibly damaging. And I thought his um, his advocacy at the beginning of the covid epidemic was particularly damaging. So I had the opportunity to interview Robert F. Kennedy Jr. about two years ago for the first time. And I have to tell you, I was blown away because he wasn't a crackpot. He's not a crackpot by a country mile. And he would actually point to statistics and studies and scientific studies. And in the course of that interview, he was throwing so much information at me that, I mean, I couldn't possibly fact check and then research every single thing that he was saying. Then he writes this book about Anthony Fauci. It's covered with footnotes. And it's one of those things where you hear a lot of mainstream scientists, a lot of mainstream doctors, and they still kind of want to make you think that Robert F. Kennedy is a crackpot. I got the COVID vaccine. I do think the COVID vaccine was a positive. I've not gotten the booster because I have some real questions about what the government is telling us on this situation and I'm really interested in in learning more about this and I thought it was very interesting that uh, Robert F Kennedy offered to go on the Joe Rogan show and debate one of the most prominent vaccine proponents on the covid issue and that proponent chose not to debate refused to appear with 
you know, with um, Robert F. Kennedy in that kind of a forum. And even though Joe Rogan was offering to make a substantial contribution to a charity of that doctor's choice. So it all leaves me very suspicious. What? Why are people afraid of a debate? Why are folks reluctant to engage? Well, uh, those are a few of the questions that I have for Dr. Brian Hooker. He is a, the chief scientific officer at Children's Health Defense. He holds five U.S. patents, Ph.D., very well respected. And he's the co-author, along with Robert F. Kennedy Jr., of Vax Unvax, Let the Science Speak. Now, this is a very interesting book because this book features published studies where vaccinated and unvaccinated groups of individuals are directly compared. There's over a hundred of these studies, and they're available publicly by searching the National Institute of Health, National Library of Medicine. What's it all about? Dr. Hooker's here to tell us. Brian, thanks so much for staying up late with us. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Frank. It's an honor to be on your show, and it's an honor to meet you as well. Thank you. That's uh, nice of you to say. I I appreciate that. Uh, Brian, we've heard a lot in the way of vaccine skepticism, particularly during the uh, the covid, the advent of the covid vaccine. What makes your book Vax Unvax different? Why is it different than what we've heard previously? Well, Vax Unvax really spans the entire vaccination schedule. And we look specifically at Mr. Kennedy and I look specifically at studies where they had an unvaccinated control group. You know, when you do a scientific study, you have a control group that uh, doesn't get some type of treatment. And then you get an experimental group that does. And we wanted to have a true control group. These are these are studies that the government has refused to do. But we found them kind of hiding in plain sight in the National Library of Medicine on the website PubMed, uh, where, you know, truly you have unvaccinated children versus vaccinated children, unvaccinated adults versus vaccinated adults. And like I said, there there are 11 different chapters that cover 11 different topics. One of the topics is obviously the COVID-19 shot, but we look at the other vaccines as well. The uh, what did your what did your research show? How do the studies of the vaccinated compare to the unvaccinated? Well, when you look at chronic health conditions, especially, and, and, and I want to focus on chapter two, which was looking at the entire childhood schedule. What's the effect of children following the current CDC schedule versus those that completely opt out on the vaccination schedule? And you see such a higher incidence of different chronic diseases, uh, both, both uh, you, you know, what you would classify as autoimmune chronic diseases, as well as infectious diseases uh, in these children. You know, we saw things like uh, the rate of ADD, ADHD was 20 times higher in those children who were following the vaccination schedule versus those who weren't. The rate of autism was five times higher than in those who are vaccinated, you know, compared to those who weren't. The rate of ear infections in in some instances, in some of the studies that we saw, was was as high as 27 times higher in the vaccinated group. And so a lot of this, you know, right now we're in a chronic disease epidemic. We're in a chronic disease epidemic of children where approximately 27 children, 27 percent of all children 
have been diagnosed with at least one chronic disorder in the United States, and that's excluding obesity. And and really, you know, I, I've I've been doing vaccine safety research for 20 years. I've been asking the government to do this type of studies. Uh, Mr. Kennedy approached me in 2019 and said, hey, let's look for these studies hiding in plain sight. The government is not going to do these studies, but there are independent researchers who have done these studies, and let's compile them in a book. And what we're seeing is very, very compelling and is very, very counterintuitive to what we've been heard regarding the vaccination schedule and regarding individual vaccines. We're talking with Dr. Brian Hooker, co-author of the book Vax Unvax, Let the Science Speak. One of the things that is very frustrating to me, Brian, and I think it's very frustrating to many, is you 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 sound like you know what you're talking about and uh, Robert Kennedy sounds like he knows what he's talking about and then i have other people on the program who say the exact opposite and can seemingly point to authoritative information that bolsters their point and there's a lot of frustration about people on who they should believe and, and i guess m- my question is why should we believe you and Robert F Kennedy Jr instead of expert professional groups like the American Academy of Pediatrics? Well, the American Academy of Pediatrics has never uh, studied the entire vaccination schedule or the effects of the vaccination schedule. In fact, the Department of Health and Human Services has never studied the vaccination schedule, despite the fact that vaccines are given together in, you know, in the childhood schedule in two months, four months, and six months of age. Uh, as, many, as a child will receive as many six as six vaccines in a single uh, well child visit, and those have never been studied or tested given together. And so, what I want to speak is the evidence that we've put together in this book. These are peer reviewed scientific studies. The majority of the studies are indexed in the National Library of Medicine, so they're in the best of the best reputable medical journals. And I would let the science speak for themselves, uh, for itself. When you look at the AAP, when you look at the AMA, when you look at the Department of Health and Human Services, they just have not done any of this type of research. And historically, they've never had looked at an unvaccinated control group, even in FDA clinical trials for vaccines. Often what they'll use is for their control group is another vaccine. So we never have a true placebo in these particular studies. So, you know, what I would listen to the side that has the science uh, cataloged and inventoried and and lets lets the science speak rather than just the talking heads that have not done the studies. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. 
So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Do you believe that uh, because of the work that uh, you and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. have done over the course of the last four years that um, fewer people have been vaccinated and by extension, maybe more people have gotten some diseases and maybe has resulted in some sort of hospitalization? That's always the rub that I hear when I point to your work or Robert F. Kennedy's work. There's no evidence that the rate of infectious childhood diseases or what they call vaccine preventable diseases is going up in the United States. And in fact, if you look at the mortality uh, associated with these diseases, many of them were on significant steep decline before the vaccines were even introduced. We've looked at historical data, you know, around the measles shot, uh, which was introduced in 1963. And measles mortality really reduced down to nil prior to the introduction of the vaccine. And, and, you know, we're not hearing about massive outbreaks of measles in the quote-unquote unvaccinated, uh, even when you look at some of the outbreaks that have been, uh, you know, publicized in the news. There was one in New York uh, about four or five years ago. Uh, I'm sorry, three or four years ago. There was the Disney outbreak break in 2016, 2017. Many of those individuals were fully vaccinated. It wasn't, a, it wasn't an outbreak of the unvaccinated. It was um, a, a partially the unvaccinated and also vaccine failure. And so you, you don't see these infectious diseases coming back on the rise. They are treatable, uh, uh, highly treatable diseases. And the mortality rates, like I said before, had gone down historically, not because of vaccination, but because of sanitation methods that were used in the early uh, 20th century. Your, as I alluded, your scientific and academic bona fides are above reproach. You've been a professor of biology at Simpson University. You have a master's of science degree. You uh, you have a doctorate in biochemical engineering. You clearly know know a thing or two about a thing or two. Uh, I I know your story is not dissimilar from a lot of other people that have become sympathetic to Robert F. Kennedy's cause and that you have a very personal reason that uh, that you came to look into vaccine safety. And I know that you have a son with autism and that's when you started looking into this. I've spoken with other parents of autistic children before, including a lot of advocates in the autism community about what role autism is playing. Here's an interview I did about uh, five or six months ago with Jill Aksher, who's uh, very big with the autism community in California and has researched this a great deal, is what she said. No, I don't think Big Pharma has anything to do with it. (laughs) I think there are probably many contributors to these um, to these increases, um, but I I don't see big pharma. I don't see any conspiracy here. I don't see anything like that playing a role. Uh, Brian, why do you think that your son was damaged by a vaccine rather than by being uh, b- just by ha- genetics or um, having a unique nature of some sort or any other sort of environmental factor? 
Well, in my own personal story, my son received three vaccines uh, at 15 months of age while having an active ear infection, which he should have never been vaccinated that day. You know, my wife and I asked the nurse practitioner, is it okay to vaccinate a sick child who has an active ear infection? And she said, oh, it's absolutely fine. But, you know, what happened after that, you know, he fevered. Uh, very, very extensively, 102, 103, and then uh, was screaming at the top of his lungs. And almost overnight, then we lost him. And so, uh, and by, you know, what I mean by lost him is that before his 15-month vaccines, he was developing speech and language. He had eye contact. He had joint attention. After his vaccinations, everything was lost. There was no language. There was no eye contact. There was no joint attention. He even stopped walking for a while. Um, And it was such a day and night difference. It was so, so stark that, you know, and, and we had, you know, developmental pediatricians say, oh, no, it's just a coincidence. But then we did the medical testing and saw the Uh, absolutely the components in vaccines that my son genetically was predisposed not to be able to detoxify of those uh, vaccine components. And so we not only did we see with our own eyes a regression after vaccination, but then we backed it up with medical science that showed that he should have never received the vaccines in the first place and that he was genetically predisposed to not be able to detoxify the component of vaccine, components of vaccines. And I hear this time and again, you hear this over and over again. I'm not familiar with the advocate that you just played that particular recording. She may have a different experience. I'm not saying that all autism is related to vaccines, but you know, when you, when you hear these anecdotes and then you look into the science that shows uh, a correlation between vaccination and developmental delays, vaccination and autism, then you, you really have to, you know, take a second look. Uh, Brian, you alluded to the government refusing some of these studies to do some of these studies uh, that you uh, point to in the book. Why? Why would the government not want the most thorough information out there to know if some of these vaccines are are causing harm to people? Why does the government have an interest in not getting to the bottom of this? Well, if you look at the Department of Health and Human Services, which is collectively the CDC, the National Institutes of Health and the FDA, it's so entangled and there's such an incestuous relationship with big pharma to the extent that the FDA's revenues, 45% of all dollars that go to the FDA come directly from big pharmaceutical companies that are, are, are funding the FDA through what's called the Fast Track Program. And if that's not a captured agency, I don't know what is. And so, you know, vaccines are big money. Vaccines are big business. When the CDC, through the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, when they vote a vaccine on the schedule, that's a $1 billion a year enterprise for that particular vaccine manufacturer at a minimum. Of course, and we know that the COVID-19 shot made $54 billion directly to Pfizer over the COVID-19 pandemic. So there's lots of dollars that are, are fueling the vaccination schedule. And I believe that, you know, looking, looking at the unvaccinated control group, looking at health differences, especially chronic health differences, 
between vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals. This is this, these are things that um, Mr. Kennedy and I have been asking the government for over 20 years and we just get doors slammed into our in our faces. And the only thing that I can figure out is that vaccines are big business. The vaccination schedule that includes 72 vaccines or 73 vaccines now between the ages of zero and 18, um, it's really, really big business. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of money to be made by Big Pharma, as well as the Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, before we run out of time, Brian, David in the Bronx has a question. He seems skeptical of what you're saying. David, what's your question? Okay. Um, all right. Uh, doctor, uh, two quick questions. And they're basically the same question. Um, how many papers and studies have you put out that have had to be uh, withdrawn? And isn't it questionable to use self-reported studies from parents that uh, homeschool as a basis of some of your conclusions, which a lot of people say is what you're doing? Thank you. Well, uh, the first question is that um, I did have one paper withdrawn in 2014. Uh, that was done under very, very dubious circumstances. I was in that particular paper. I was revealing fraud that was committed by the CDC around the relationship between the MMR vaccine and autism. And the paper was withdrawn. It was not voluntarily withdrawn. I stand by my research. Uh, but it was withdrawn directly by the journal, and uh, eventually then the paper became retracted. But that journal never gave me a sufficient rationale as to why they actually retracted that paper. And that's one paper of over 70 scientific papers that I've published in the open scientific literature, including about 20 papers on the, on the epidemiology of vaccine injury. Um, so, yeah, I've had a paper retracted. I'll, I'll admit that directly. And, and also, you know, I, I understand the, the comment regarding homeschool students. And if it was one isolated study with, with homeschool students and that I, I believe that individual is referring to a study that was done by Anthony Mawson in 2017, where they looked at a survey of homeschool students. But um, it's not just one study. I mean, we've got over 100 studies in the book that look at different children, look at uh, different uh, countries following different vaccination schedules, and we're seeing consistently the same message. Brian, uh, thank you. The book is Vax Unvax. Brian, if uh, I can arrange uh, a debate with uh, you and uh, someone from the medical community for a whole hour on the subject of vaccine safety, are you up for that? I would welcome it. Absolutely. Terrific. Uh, Brian Hooker, the book is Vax Unvax, Follow the Science. Thank you so much. Thank you, Frank. It was a pleasure. My pleasure. If you want to comment, you can do so. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.